It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Episode 148 is episode 37, why we still love the KonMari method. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast, where you'll learn to save money, money, embrace simplicity, and live a richer life. Here are your hosts, Jen and Jill. Mm. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast. My name is Jen. (laughs) My name is Jill. And today we are sharing another curated episode from the archives. This is one of our most popular episodes from 2019. And it's because it worked in 2019 and it still works now. Mm. Amen. And it is the KonMari method. I will say when we first recorded this, I did not know much about the KonMari method. That will come out in this recording. (laughs) I have since learned more and this episode helped me in that regard. And yeah, I've picked up and carried on a lot of things from that movement, that method. I will say it's, it is talking just about minimalism. So even Mm -hmm. finding the freedom to figure out how it works for you and sticking with it. So it's always worth revisiting. Yeah. And I can proudly say I am still doing the KonMari method of folding That's how I still fold my clothes, and I really love it, and still use kind of the spark joy in really all areas of my life. So not just Mm. clothes. I think actually I use it less in physical stuff Mm. and more in just like regular life, like things Mm. that I spend my time on. Yeah, I like that reframe. That's great. Yeah, I've really practiced it there more. So- don't just take it for face value. This can really be something that impacts every area of your life. So we're really excited to reshare this episode, one of our most popular episodes from our early days. Mm. Uh, But first, our sponsors. So this episode is brought to you by Meal Planning Services. They are your salvation when you can't decide what to eat anymore. And sometimes when there's clutter all around, it can really inhibit us from making wise decisions because our brains get all this fatigue from what we're visually processing. Oh my God. And then you add kids and a partner to the mix and then (laughs) it's what we are audibly processing as well. And so our brains are like, nope, can't make any more decisions got to eat out. 
But when we simplify our surroundings, then we can make better decisions like following through with our meal plan. And you can make meal planning simpler. We recommend CookSmarts as our meal planning service of choice. It's what we have recommended from the beginning, and we have tried a lot of different services. And this one consistently just stands out for the variety and the quality of recipes, as well as their emphasis on using up everything in your pantry and using ingredients that thoroughly in throughout their annual meal plan. Mm -hmm. So you can get 30 free days of meal planning if you sign up through frugalfriendspodcast.com slash CS and just get some meal planning help this week. Mm. Done. Also brought to you by Timeless. Those items that never go out of style and supersede the trends. Somehow bell bottoms and belly shirts seem to be falling into this category. But we say frugality and minimalism are the real champs. Timeless. When you don't need to look at the clock to know if something's great. Mm, Yes, absolutely. It's like Thank you, Timeless. Minimalism. Yes. So if this is a topic that you are into, then I'm going to recommend some other episodes for you as well. So episode 22 is our interview with Kate Flanders. She is the author of The Year of Less. Yeah, it was The Year of Less, right? Yes. I think so. Mm -hmm. I just got confused because episode 32 is our interview with Joshua Becker, and he's the author of The More of Less. (laughs) So a lot of minimalist things. And then also episode 59, we had an interview with Courtney Carver, who is the author of Project 333. And we talked about that on our episode, and that was even before she wrote the book. So, And then recently, episode 144 – creative ways to declutter, you can definitely use the KonMari method in conjunction with the creative ways to declutter. So lots of stuff for you if minimalism is something that's on your 2021 goal list. Mm. Lots to check out after you tune into this episode. So without further ado, enjoy. I mean, who knows who's listening to us? There's no way. For sure. There is. I mean, we have stats on our our, our host. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, our first first article is uh, from Get Rich Slowly. And uh, this is a really well-known personal finance blog from J.D. Roth. And uh, it's called My Experience with the Kanmari Method and the Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. What do you think about it, Jill? Yeah, I thought that they did a really good job of highlighting the book, which is perfect for me because, uh, full disclosure on my end, I have not read the book. I've heard a lot about it, and I read articles like this. So for me, this is helpful to just get a snapshot of what the book what the book is and what Marie Kondo recommends that you do in your decluttering goals and process. Yeah. I think you don't have to read the full book to get the idea. I think reading it is definitely beneficial if you want to do it. Yeah. Uh, but you definitely don't have to read it. And J.D. Roth actually also read the life-changing manga of Tidying Up, mm. which is the uh, like comic version, manga version of the book. So if you're not super into novels or words, <laughs> um, 
you can pick up the life-changing manga of Tidying Up. There are pictures. Yes, get the same info. Yeah. But yeah, he goes through it just like the book. And uh, I think think we should just start from the top. Yeah, let's go through it. So one of the things that, and again, he's highlighting for us what the Kamari method is, what it does. So one of the tips is to start by visualizing your ideal lifestyle. So this is referring to think about before you even start, what do you want your home to look like? What kind of life do you want to lead there? And and what would that home look like in order to be conducive for that life? And they said it, it's a similar question to think about what your purpose in life is. I think it's worth asking. What what are your thoughts on that, Jen? Start by visualizing your ideal lifestyle. Well, yeah, because we do the same thing when we're talking about personal finance or frugality. Yeah. You you start with your why. Yeah. And I think this is just it mirrors that perfectly. Start with your why. Like my why is I want to have people over. I want to clean less. I want to, you know, do certain things in my house and and not be inhibited by piles of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my why. From there, I can visualize, well, what does the house look like that meets my why? Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what she's saying. So if you spent any time paying off debt or or saving money this should not be a problem for you. And you should have that in sight because that will be what you keep coming back to as you run into barriers or struggles or challenges to remind yourself, this is why I'm doing this. That's a good way of reframing it, Jen. Yeah. The next two points that JD talks about are kind of on the same Mm -hmm. wavelength. It's she advocates for um, tidying in one large push rather than a little at a time. Mm -hmm. And uh, to discard all at once intensely and completely. Mm -hmm. So this is where I waver just slightly because I'm definitely an all or nothing person. So it it does help me to do it in a large push. Uh, But she talks about in her book doing it in one day. And for most people, that's not feasible, Mm -hmm. especially if you're not paying an expert to come over and help you go through these processes Mm -hmm. quickly. I like the idea of going through as much as possible in in maybe a three-day weekend or starting Friday night and going through Saturday and Sunday or making it like a month-long challenge, like trying to keep it within a month um, so you don't lose steam. Right. And so it's still a large push, but it's not as rigid as – yeah. Marie does. Not to mention that can be so daunting. And if something seems mm-hmm. impossible, then we're not going to do it at all. Exactly. So, okay, there may be some people out there who could do that all in one fell swoop, but most people are not going to be able to fit that into their working, parenting lifestyles. So mm-hmm. that's this is one hole that I'm like poking at a bit. And <laughs> and if we compare this, you know, we did talk with Joshua Becker in our episode with him and he chatted with us a bit about his take on this. And I think, well, he didn't speak to this specifically, but to contrast this of his recommendation is always to to start small because people can be overwhelmed and they always go to the biggest challenge first. Well, what about 
my, I don't know, whatever your biggest thing is, my bedroom. That's going to be so difficult to go through the things there or my kitchen. Well, don't do that. Go through your junk drawer first or your basement or something that is going to be, that may, basement's not a good <laughs> good example. <but laughs> for some people, it's not a good example. Yeah. So I, I do think that some of this is what is going to work best for you. I, I know that there are the people out there who are just like, I just need to do it. I just need to get it done in one fell swoop where I'm not going to and others are like, oh my gosh, that's too much. I will never do it. So this mm-hmm. really is a what fits your lifestyle, what makes sense to you, what works best for you. Yes, totally agree with that. So then the other the other thing. So this is, I think this is the biggest key point that people know about the Kamari method. Mm-hmm. Even if you live under a rock, you've probably heard this. That it's probably also the biggest hole we're gonna poke. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna start poking at this thing hard and then like and then pulling apart the area that we poked. Mm. Okay. So keep <laughs> a bad visual. Let's move away from that. Keeping only the things that spark joy. So this idea in the KonMari method is that you will basically in any room or any category that you are going through things, you you pour it out onto the ground and then you just start to go through and you lift it up in front of your face. And if it sparks joy, you keep it. And if it doesn't spark joy, you discard it. And you are going solely based off of what your emotions are telling you in the moment of whether or not it's sparking joy. That's how you declutter. Yeah, which implies that things can spark joy, which we don't completely agree with. And we'll talk more about that in our next article. I get what she's saying Mm -hmm. and I can track with her, but I think that she views things differently than we do. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. And it it can be a good filter or framework, but there's got to be a bit more around it than just Mm -hmm. that. And so, yes, we'll talk about that more. But that is part of this Kanmari method and probably the biggest foundational thing. Does it spark joy? I mean, she also talks to her clothing and, and strokes it. And so I definitely think she views things differently than we do. But we'll get we'll get into that further down. Uh, the next thing is something I really agree with mm. um, and I can really get on board with is to tidy by category, not by location. Yeah. And if you are tidying by location, it's very easy to miss things that might be duplicates that are stored in different rooms. Mm. But if you're bringing categories together, There's no way that you can miss duplicates. And that is something, especially for miscellany, uh, is very important. And and for clothes as well, that's important. Tip. And I think that that is how I declutter. I never would have put words to it. But yeah, it makes sense to just do clothes. Don't just do your whole bedroom Focus on the clothes, then move on to the other category of things that are in your bedroom. Yeah. And even within the category, you can break it up by, I'm only doing shirts right now, or I'm only doing pants or bottoms right now. Like you can break it down further because even the category of clothes, doing all the clothes at the same time can be overwhelming. So I really like she will break it down per piece. Yeah. 
Okay, so then another part of this method is regarding discarding and storing. So she's saying only after you've finished discarding your things, and that can mean anything, donating them, giving them away, selling them, or literally trashing them if they are just trash, like the thrift store doesn't want your trash, and neither do nonprofits. There's a little plug. Only then is it okay to, to store your items and finding a good place to to put them Mm -hmm. um yeah is there any more to say about that (laughs) (laughs) no I mean so I I give a little grace for this one because I don't know I always have time to take stuff down to Goodwill or sell it like before I need things to be back in their place okay so once you have finished discarding and maybe put it in a section of your house like by the door or put I'll usually put stuff in my trunk Mm -hmm. um then I will put things back. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I do it. Okay. Yeah. And then the final thing of this article, essentially she says, after you discard, make it easy to maintain. So Mm -hmm. there is no need for pricey storage systems to use what you have for storage and uh, organization. I love how frugal she is in her thoughts towards storage and organization Uh, Mm because she'll use empty boxes or she'll just fold things in a way where they don't need storage bins or separators. Uh, So she's so frugal in that. And she says, the important thing is not to have a great organization system. The point is to make it easy to put things away. Mm. So to have everything has a place. So you don't need to think about where things go. So when you're just day-to-day tidying up, you can literally just put things where they go without thinking because the less you have to think, the easier it is to maintain and the longer you will maintain it. And the more you have to think about the important things, brain space Mm -hmm. for the important things. I wanted to poke a hole in this at first, but after I thought about it, I started to agree. She says to focus more on... uh, the ease of putting things away versus the ease of getting them out. And I was like, isn't that kind of the same thing? But then as I thought uh, practically for myself, I realized it's not quite the same thing, that it is usually more complicated for me to put something away than it is to get it out. And this is what Mm -hmm. she's saying, that you, if you want something, you're going to go get it from wherever it is. Usually where the problem comes in is if it's hard to put it away, then you're not going to. You want to be able to put your coat easily away into the closet. Don't worry so much about the accessibility and getting it out, but will you put it away quickly? And sometimes it it will work both ways really well, but focusing more on will you be able to put it away rather than will you be able to get it back out? Yeah. And the purpose of decluttering is to make things easier to put in and out. And that means more things get more use. And you're not rebuying things you already have or because you don't know where they are in your closet or or whatever. And therefore, you're saving money Mm because you're buying fewer things. So that is one of the reasons that we're so passionate about decluttering and minimalism is because of the direct tie-in that it has with spending less. 
Yeah. And the, the freedom to not have to get tons of expensive organizational bins. I think that's exactly. a big pitfall to this conversation is like, now I have to make it look so Instagram pretty. Like, no, mm-hmm. no, you don't. You just wanted yeah. to go shopping. I mean, you can look at JD's blog post that we'll we'll have linked in the show notes. And I mean, he does the Kanmari method and it's it's great. It works. It's definitely not Instagrammable, but he's got pictures up. And <laughs> you know, it's it's the method. It's, he's using the method. Right. right. So you can uh if you want to check out his story, definitely uh head to getrichslowly.org uh for that. And but I think we're ready to move on to our our next one. Let's do it. So this one is five life-changing lessons the Kanmari decluttering method taught me. And this is from happier.com. Yeah. The first one is that joy is simple but powerful. So she's definitely on board with this whole does it spark joy. She thought that it was a very good filter for deciding, should I keep this? Should should I not? It was very clear to her immediately when she held things up, whether or not it sparked joy. And I think the a good key in this one is using that method to also get rid of guilt that we might feel in throwing things away. So I did understand this point of, okay, you might hold up a dress and be like, oh gosh, I never wore this. I feel guilty about getting rid of this because I thought that I was going to wear it to all these things. And so then the Kamari method would argue, well, at one point it brought you joy. And so be grateful, thank it, stroke it for the joy that it brought you at that one time in the store and get Mm -hmm. rid of it. So there's a freedom that it can bring, but there's a big hole there in my mind. Yeah. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. 
Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I wanted to find something that talked about that agreed with her method just to put it into perspective. Mm -hmm. But I think I could translate joy to value as well. When I look at my clothes and I'm deciding what to keep, I can say, do I value this right now? I feel like that would be an appropriate phrase for me to use. Maybe not for everyone. I think we can all find our own spark joy phrase, Uh but I personally don't want to attach joy or feelings with any of my inanimate objects that yeah there's so many layers here because first of all if that is the filter and we are just saying joy then that can if we apply this blindly across everything then that can give license to just accumulate things just saying well it did bring me joy at one point and i'll just get rid of it when it no longer brings mm-hmm. me joy and can kind of create this throwaway society which we, we we're already that we're already there so yeah. i think part of this is is not accumulating just to throw it away because that's that's not sustainable but i also think i wonder and i haven't fully fleshed this out and this is speaking to what you're saying too here jen of atta- i think emotions are so attached to so much of what we do. We talk about emotional eating, not we, but our society is talking about emotional eating and detaching ourselves from that, emotional buying, shopping, emotional keeping. So I struggle with this, even this entire concept of looking at our emotions because our emotions can shift every Mm -hmm. single day. Like, am I doing this while I'm PMSing? Well, then, yeah, (laughs) certainly. Like, my things and my husband's things are getting thrown out. Uh, Or am I doing this when I am in a super happy mood? Well, then most things are going to be kept because everything is so enamoring to me. So to be led by emotions in that way, to me, it's it's not a good filter. On a lot of levels. But then also, like you said, to attach that to inanimate objects, like the things that bring me joy. And joy is so – it's such an intense word, too. We're not just Mm -hmm. talking happiness. Like joy is a much deeper thing. And to say that an inanimate object is bringing me this like deep joy in my soul, I'm a little Mm -hmm. bit scared of that that happening. I don't want to be that attached to my things. I want to be able to let go of, yeah, anything that's cluttering my life, whether or not it – it brings me that joy. I'm concerned about the emotional attachments and why I might keep things versus get rid of things. So, yeah. And we're looking at joy from a Japanese translation to an American one. There you go. So she could mean something less intense. But I think for us, that's just the way that we view joy. It's kind of like on a higher level level than happiness. And, yeah. and so that's our interpretation. So I think we have to find our own spark sure. joy phrase to translate it appropriately. Yeah. I mean, for me, and it's not too far off from this, I do, my filter is, does it bring beauty or function for mm-hmm. me? So that's, yeah. So there, there's some 
flavors of the Kanmari method probably in that, maybe in the beauty, but then also the function. Because like one of these articles pointed out, like, of course, your toothbrush most likely is not sparking joy for you, but you need that. Like, don't throw that out. You're going to... Yeah. Um, Clean teeth spark joy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got to go down a long rabbit trail for that one. But yeah. it's it's something. Yeah. And it sounds like it's working for some people, but I'm just not sure I want to encourage emotional attachments to my things. Yeah. I did like the perspective that Marie put. Uh, you mentioned the one thing with the clothing that, you know, you have a a very unworn piece of clothing that maybe you wore at one point and it did bring you joy. And then you have another piece of clothing that maybe you never wore, but you bought it because you wanted to be this person and you got it home and you realized you were not that person, but you can't get rid of it because you've never worn it. You have that sunk cost bias. Yeah. And uh, she says to thank the piece of clothing for teaching you uh, who you are and who you are not. And I did, I did like that. I don't personally thank my clothing, but it did help me get rid of some stuff having that perspective. Yeah. And it, it reveals a lot of behavioral economics principles. Okay. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's all that kind of emotion tied spending right. uh, is behind the theory of behavioral economics. Yeah. So you... Yeah. And you know me, I'm all about freedom. So yes, if this method is going to help people have the freedom to minimize and declutter, then fantastic. But then, and maybe this is the difference that we're talking about decluttering versus acquiring. Because I think in decluttering, okay, does it spark joy? Get rid of everything that doesn't spark joy. But that, I don't think that question can be applied when you are purchasing things then. Yeah. Because then that that is how you can get in that rut of collecting. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. it sparked joy in the store. Well, isn't that everybody's problem? It looked great in the dressing room. And you get home, it's like, what the heck happened? Because this is not the dressing room anymore. And this color looks awful on me. Yeah. So it takes away a lot of guilt from previous purchases made. Right. Uh, so I think that's a good thing. But um, you kind of you just look at it on your own and decide for yourself. These are just what we think. Yeah. So no, um, no but, shaming if you do love the Kanmari method. <laughs> yeah. Is, I mean, I love the. Yeah, I love uh, a lot of the principles of it. Yeah. So yeah, there is I mean, that's why we're talking stuff. about it. Yep. Speaking of emotions, one of the life changes that she talked about is. We don't hang on to things. We hang on to emotions attached to those things. And that is a really powerful mantra when you are decluttering. Mm. Yeah. And that is, I think, ties back to maybe the clothing thing that both clothing things that Jill and I were talking about, like buying something because you want to be this person. Yeah. And maybe that person is not the right person for you to be. And sometimes that realization can be emotional. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of other things too. I think we think about it more in sentimental items, but it can be in books that you want to read that to to make yourself the type of person that you don't necessarily need to be and just all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And this is where it kind of goes both ways of keeping things for an emotion that they evoke, but then also getting rid of things regardless of the emotion they evoke. Is that kind of, is that your understanding, Jen? Yeah. I think she's, she really wants to convey that, that memories and emotions live inside us. 
and that we don't necessarily need a physical, tangible thing whose only use is to help us remember that thing. Okay. And and yeah, so it goes – I think it can go into every room in the house, every category uh, can hold this kind of emotional bond in one way or another. Mm -hmm. Like I have this uh, kitchen aid – what is it? Like a – it chops things. God, I use it so little I don't even know what it's called. Um, (laughs) A food processor. And I got it. I registered for it for my wedding because I wanted to be the person who used a food processor. Uh And it turns out I am not the person who uses a food processor. Yep. But I am emotionally attached to it because I still want to be that person. Yeah. And we did. We talked about that in the Joshua Becker episode, too, which is funny to put – or interesting to put these two up against each other and look at the similarities Mm -hmm. and the differences and kind of the recommendations and tips that they both give. And there's there's good things that we can pull out of all of it. But I think just like anything, we don't have to listen to one voice in this conversation. We can pull on all the wisdom and find what works for us. So anyhow, and this next one that this article talks about is Having fewer things you love is better than having a lot of things that you kind of like. And I 100% can get on board with this. This is Mm -hmm. probably baseline minimalism, not theology, philosophy. (laughs) I Yeah, I agree. So this is, and, and there is freedom in this to not be cluttered. And have things all around us that are like, yeah, that's kind of cool, but I don't like this about it. And this is kind of neat, but whatever. Rather than, okay, this, these few things that I have really serve a purpose or they have beauty or they spark joy, if you want to use that, that (laughs) lingo. The lifestyle that that leads to is better than just being surrounded by things that like you, you could give or take. They're kind they're, they're okay. Yeah. I think this philosophy is is essential to our frugality too because uh-huh. once you declutter and you have this you know this capsule wardrobe or this capsule kitchen you know I like ca- I like the word capsule it's very trendy right now mm-hmm. um once you have this then you don't feel the need to buy new stuff you don't feel the need to take advantage of sales just because they're there and you can be content you can learn contentment because you're surrounded by things you love, and then you can tell the difference between love and kind of like in your home and your relationships. Yeah. And that is something that she said that once she decluttered and kept things that she loved, then she realized she didn't need more jeans because she really... She really enjoyed the ones that she had. It wasn't like, I have 10 pairs that I kind of like, but none of them quite suit my needs, so I'll just get another pair versus, no, I have two really great pairs at home, so I don't need any more. Exactly. And it can help sustain the lifestyle. I do like that. And when you do need a new pair of jeans, you're not going to feel guilty for getting the really quality pair Mm -hmm. because you didn't buy the 10 that were just on sale. Oh, yes. Yeah. So another another perk. And the last one on this list, I don't know if you were counting, but we counted the first two as one because they were both about joy. (laughs) Uh, But so number five is it's not about what others think. 
So what? I didn't really think about this. Yeah. Whoa. I didn't even think about this when I was decluttering, I guess, because I already don't care what others think. Yes. <laughs> That's <laughs> part already... of aging. It comes with right. the territory, although I think I've we've, already given up. we've hit it a little too early. So I'm a little afraid for what we're going to be like when we're 50, Jen. But uh, yeah, you'll get to hear it on the podcast. But <laughs> So she said this story that I really resonated with. Um And it's while she was decluttering, she had a black sweater and she was trying to decide whether to keep it or get rid of it. So she put it on for her daughter and husband and they both said it looked good. They gave the thumbs up. And so the sweater went back in her closet, but it kept nagging at her like she didn't really like it. Uh And and usually we care about what others think in a negative aspect. But this was a reversal like they really liked it. And she was like, I just don't know. But since they like it, I'll keep it. And eventually she was like, does this really bring me joy? Or it could have also been like, do I personally really like this? Yeah. And then it was like, no, I don't. So she she got rid of it. And yeah. yeah, that is something that I will take with me into this year's declutter. Yeah. Because uh, there, there are things – Travis and I have different opinions on what I should be wearing. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, – <laughs> Um, but you're a strong, and, independent woman. You make up your own mind. Right? Yeah. So he wants me to wear, like, clothes that fit, and I just want to wear, like, bags. Uh, so, <laughs> so I'm going to have to go with my heart. And wear the bags? Yeah. Mm, okay. Whatever Whatever sparks joy, Jen. <laughs> I can 100% relate to that, though. In In a lot of areas of life, particularly though with my own things, trying on a pair of shoes or what do you think about it? And oh yeah, I really like it. But it's like, for me, I know the intricacies of it. You know, he may say, yes, I like those pair of shoes on you, but then I can know, yeah, but they kind of dig in on my left side and I'll only wear it with this outfit. And I've only worn that outfit a few times. And He doesn't know that whole inner dialogue and it doesn't really matter to him that much whether or not I get rid of it. So why don't I just make my own decisions for myself? There, There's a novel concept. <laughs> now, but, but, One of the Kanmari method things is to do this on your own. Don't take into consideration what others think. And I think at first I was like, what? That's so isolating. It's so individualistic. Other people matter. Community. Rah, rah. You're so going to get in trouble for throwing away your husband and children's things. Yeah, exactly. So I think (laughs) that that this, this point really did help me to kind of understand what that's talking about in the Kanmari method is that no one's going to know the inner dialogue of your personal things. You make the decision. But I do think this is the hole I'm going to poke in it that, yes, when it's shared items when it or when it is somebody else's things, no, you don't get to do that alone. I'm just going to mm-hmm. trump that one and say you you don't get to do that alone. <laughs> but I, I agree. Make the decision for your own clothing and... Yeah, what you know fits and what looks good on you or whatever. It doesn't mm-hmm. just have to be clothing. But I will say if you live with a hoarder, then you can <laughs> go through and maybe pick out some things, like just help them out, but don't get rid of them, hide them. And then when he asks where they are, then you say, oh, it's it's here. Um, and then in like, if it's been several months and he has not asked, then... They go. This sounds very specific. This hoarder is a male and (laughs) you live with him. And And it's just a theory 
Yeah. You know, that you want if you want to test it out. I mean, <laughs> it depends on what your definition of hoarding is. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Tread lightly. Tread lightly on other people's things. Yeah. But you know what we don't have to tread lightly on? Oh, the best time of the week. Yeah. It's time for the, the Bill of the Week. week. time for the best minute of your entire week. Maybe a baby was born and his name is William. Maybe you paid off your mortgage. Maybe your car died and you're happy to not have to pay that bill anymore. Duck bills, Buffalo bills, Bill Clinton. This is the Bill of the Week. Hi, my name is Tyler and my favorite bill is my mortgage. That is really weird. I know. (laughs) But because I am a first-time homeowner, and I just bought my house um, in September. It is still my favorite bill as of right now because I'm making changes to my house. It's something that I can call my own, and it's something that I'm extremely proud of. So I would have to say it's my mortgage. All right. Thanks. Awesome, Tyler. I th- Yes, this is a perfect bill for today. I thought they said luggage at first. <laughs> And I was like, okay, this is interesting. Let's talk about that. And then <laughs> I realized it was mortgage, and that does make yeah. sense. That there's something to be said about the pride in home ownership and mm-hmm. responsibility and oh, even being able to pay that bill. Yes, there's so much yes. wrapped up in there. Congratulations. I I I love my mortgage. I love being able to put extra money towards the principal of my mortgage. I know Joshua Becker and I geeked out about this when he was here, uh, but that is an empowering feeling, mm-hmm. knowing how much money you are saving. Mm-hmm. Um, or like Tyler, who's doing renovations on her house right now, like how much your value of your home is going up mm-hmm. just because of the things you're doing. It's so empowering. So Tyler, thank you so much for that bill. If you've got a bill that you'd like to tell us about, please visit frugalfriendspodcast.com slash bill and leave us one. We love hearing all of your bills. Yes, we do. Yes. It's our favorite part of the week, like we said. Always. Always. And we did actually get some – we got our first robocall on the hotline this week <laughs> yes. um, asking us about, like, back braces or something. I don't know. But, yeah, so if you're not calling, somebody else is – uh, but we can't use those bills because they're clearly not about bills. So yeah. we need you to provide. Step up. Yes. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. 
Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About $6 million. Approximately $11 million. Nearly $10 million was all gone. Employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich men because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so we've talked all about this Kanmari method, and we really want to A, do it ourselves. Well, me more than Jill, because I actually have 1,300 square feet to declutter. Um, and then, <laughs> <laughs> and also give you guys the chance to join in with us. And we're not going to do it all in a day because. That's daunting. Nobody, yeah, ain't nobody got time for that. No. But we're gonna we're gonna try it out over 31 days. I like it. Yeah. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna be using Marie Kondo's method for decluttering, but like Jen said, more toned down 31 day challenge. I have made a list of everything that Marie includes in her book for decluttering and listed it out over. 31 days. And so I know it's January 4th and you're already a little behind, but the first few are super easy and you can catch up really easily this weekend or you can go four days into February. No one is going to uh, be mad about it. It doesn't have to just be January, whenever you're listening in. So what these are, they're mini declutters and they should not take you more than an hour to tackle. They can, but don't let them. Just (laughs) put, put your... Put your efforts towards it for an hour. It's a real-world kickstart that Marie would not approve of, but she's not here. Yeah. And so we are going to have the link to the calendar on our show notes for this episode. And you can sign up to get the calendar emailed to you. And um, the it's coming from the Modern Frugality Shop. Back to our sponsor, uh, which is actually me. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, and we also, if you don't want to do a month long, but you uh, would rather do maybe a weekend, um, the shop also has a free weekend starter challenge, and uh, you can get that for free. It's called the Weekend Kanmari Challenge Guide. So, we are going to do the 31 day here. There's also a two and a half day challenge. So, whatever you want, you can find it there. And, uh, and yeah, so we hope you will join in with us and declutter your life this year. 
And then join us on the Frugal Friends Facebook community group. Post pictures. Tell us how it's mm-hmm. going for you. We we love group challenges, group participation, community input. It's what spurs yes. us on. I know. I, I'm so excited. Jill, are you – is there anything in particular that you are excited to – declutter my clothing since moving out of a motor home and in with my grandmother which is still not a lot of space but I have been a little <laughs> bit lax on collecting things uh, I really haven't spent any money on clothing but people will give me clothing that they're getting rid of and I'll go through it and if there's something that I like then I'll keep it and I've gotten a little bit like yeah because I've had space I have filled that with clothing it's my downfall it's my Achilles heel and I got to go through it because now I've just got drawers full of things that I hardly wear or I don't really like that much. So I'm but I'm excited. I am looking forward to getting rid of clothes and getting back on track with a more pared down wardrobe. Yeah. How about you? Same's clothes. Well, so literally everything, Jill, because Uh-oh. we we are expecting our first child. Whoa! <laughs> Talk about things that spark joy. Yes. A little bundle. Uh, yeah. So we are literally expecting to spark joy in May. Yes. And uh, so there are um, things that go into having a baby um, that involve <laughs> accumulation. Uh-huh. And so we... I really am committed to getting rid of a lot of stuff from our bedroom, our kitchen. My office is going to become a nursery soon. So there's just so many things. And uh, so I'm very motivated to pare down to just the essentials. Start Um, it now before you get huge. That's what I'm saying. I have to because I'm already growing. And if if I don't do it in January, I fear it won't get done. Especially as the warmer months start coming in. Holy Mm -hmm. smokes. You're going to be big and sweaty. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So excited for you. (laughs) I am always, always happy to hear your encouragement for my life. (laughs) I'm so excited. I'm excited for you. And I'm also excited for me and what that I get to watch this happen. And then also for our podcast, because I think this is good press for us, you know, <laughs> to have a baby on the that's, way. I think yeah, it's going to be fantastic for our ratings. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, why I did it. <laughs> yep. I thought, oof, we need a little something to shake things up. Yep. So, And then when our ratings start go. to go down again, I'll get pregnant and we'll just go yeah. back and forth and back and forth until we're famous. Yes. Because of our babies. It's going to be a lot of kids. We're going to have a lot of kids at that rate, Jill. I don't know if you want to commit to that. Yeah. We hope that you enjoyed that rewind into the archives Mm -hmm. um, because good things shouldn't be forgotten. They should be Mm -hmm. brought back time and time again. We hope that you found it as timeless as we did. (laughs) Uh, and so thank you for listening and thank you for your kind reviews. Seriously, if there's a way you're looking to support the show, reviews are it. Literally just take out your phone and tap all those stars if that's what you think we deserve and we hope we have earned that from you. And just say a few nice words and submit. 
That's it. Kind of like De Great Hayes did. They said, five stars, amazing show to listen. Just did a quick binge of all the episodes over the last couple of weeks and was greatly surprised by the content. It ties with other financial podcasts with a different perspective. Great up in the great episodes. Wow. I mean, great, great up. Great up. Great up. The great episodes. We will. We will. I love that this says just did a quick binge. (laughs) I I was waiting for you to complete that sentence, like quick binge of what? Literally all the episodes. Well, one of our listeners in our Frugal Friends community on Spotify, it told her one day she listened to like 11 hours of the podcast in one day. (laughs) I was like, Okay, cool. Just couldn't find the pause button, so they just <laughs> kept rolling into the next. Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay. So I mean, quick thank binge. You. Right. Quick, a quick binge of all 147 episodes. Awesome. Well, we don't know when this was written. It was, <laughs> That's maybe, true. Maybe, maybe 140. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyhow, we also want to thank our friends who share these episodes, not just review us. So when you share us on Facebook or Instagram, we add you to our monthly drawing. For every five tags and reviews we get each month, we're giving away a copy of the Frugal Friends Workbook. So keep leaving us those reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. Send the screenshot to frugalfriendspodcast at gmail.com and don't forget to tag us on social. See you next week. Bye. Frugal Friends is produced by Eric Siriani. minimalism. Jen, I have to tell you that whenever I get stressed, (laughs) one of my stress responses is wanting to get rid of as much as I can. Absolutely. I am with you. It doesn't feel the healthiest in the moment (laughs) because I just get so frustrated. Like, why do we... Why do we have so many shoes when really we don't? It just feels like, and really it can be aimed at Eric, just like, well, you need to, and and I'll pull out minimalism terms, like, you need to edit. <laughs> you need to edit your shoes. Oh Pretty my soon God. you're going to need to edit your flip-flops. <laughs> just so frustrated at how many blankets we have. So buzz. We have a lot of gas, so I cannot get rid of all these blankets and pillows. Like mm-hmm. We do use them. It just is in, in a fit of stress. I want to get rid of everything. <laughs> the worst is when I'm pissed. And then I trip over something like a toy or a shoe because those are always on the ground. And I'm like, what the heck? And then I just go into a fit of rage cleaning. (laughs) Do you edit your language like that? There's no I don't use the word edit. I think that's – I don't – No, no. I mean, do you edit your language? Oh, do I edit? Yes. Your own. I use – There's no expletives Real expletives at home. Okay. Uh, So – much to the chagrin of Travis. But no, yeah, I got no, the I, term edit off of like blogs and stuff. I think we've even talked about it, like how to maintain minimalism. You then yeah. have to start editing. So I watched the home edit show yeah. on Netflix and I hated it. I thought it was very pretentious. Oh. 
an elitist. So I also watched it. It definitely wasn't minimalist. It was organizational. Yeah, I know. And so maybe I wanted them to purge because I did want to see them purge. Yeah, I wanted them to purge. Right. And so I didn't like that. I was Mm. like, you have too much stuff. That's why your house is insane. Mm -hmm. Get rid of it. And that would have been me. And that's why I don't have a million followers on Instagram. But yeah, (laughs) I just, so my goal this year, can I, I, let's be candid. Okay. Um, And anybody listening to this that can help me with this, I'm all on board. Contact me. The Minimalists have a new book coming out in July and I want to get them on the show. Ooh. So I've already tracked down their publisher and the publicity assistant at the publisher and another person on the PR team um, to try and reach out. And I tracked down their email addresses from LinkedIn. I mean, we've already had all the other minimalist experts on the podcast, so it's only fair. Right. So mark my words, I'm going to reach out, and it is my goal to get the minimalists on this show. Thanks for being candid and for sharing your goals. Yeah, because even if they feel just out of reach. Yeah, they're doing organization right. Mm, yeah. Even though I didn't like Less Is Now, it wasn't a great little mini documentary, but I can forgive them for that because mm. they have a book coming out this year, so they want to be on the radar again. I get it. It's it's marketing. But I forgive them for that and I still want them on the show. <laughs> okay. Done. <laughs> I'm here for it. Thank you. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. It's brand new Season 2. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to Brand New on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.